joining us on this week's episode of Gateway to the Smokies. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and the surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep storied history, and rich mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains, my family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today's podcast is about generations of ginseng in the Smoky Mountains. But first, let me tell you about a little bit coming up, upcoming events. Smokies Adventure is sponsoring events at the Metal Ark Smoky Mountain Heritage Center this summer at the Metal Ark Motel in Maggie Valley. There are four heritage-themed events already booked for July and August including the Plotfest Reunion Weekend on July 9th through 10th with Mechanical Bear Bay demos, programs, and music. Then we have the Darren Nicholson All-Star Band Camp and Concert with seminars presented by iconic musicians on the Saturday of, of uh, July 17th, along with a concert on Saturday night. The Earl Lanning and Charles Miller Lifetime Achievement Award program will be with seminars, music, and talks will be on July 31st. And the Horace Kempot Festival weekend on August 13th and 14th, two days full of hikes, music, and programs with nationally known art, authors, artists, and filmmakers, musicians, and explorers will be uh, there. Um, we're also pleased to announce the addition of two new big events in August, the Mountain the Metal Ark Mountain Heritage Festival on August 7th through 8th, which will be a, which will be a fun-filled week, weekend featuring Cherokee storytelling and mass carving from the incomparable David Ar Davy Arch, uh, traditional music with Camden Silver, and the Metal Ark Ramblers, a frontier camp with period-correct demos pertaining to a variety of topics, including hide tanning, blacksmithing, flintlock firearms, pottery, and wildcrafting hosted by renowned experts in their respective fields, such as Isla, Isla Hatter, Randall Pierce, Kim Palder, Brian Nolan, Charlie Brown, Corey Plott, David Bruin, and much more. And then on the weekend of August 27th through 29th, there, there's a, a naturalist and traditional skills weekend for reaching a big, featuring a variety of experts in their field, including Jim, ginseng expert Jim Hamilton, who's our guest today, Abby Artemisia, renowned owner and, and founder of the Wander School, award-winning Cherokee naturalist Tyson Sampson, Adam Bigelow of Bigelow Botanical Excursions, acclaimed author and naturalist Rene Winchester, Harold, heralded heirloom seed expert, author and musician William Ritter, who a, was a previous guest on the show, Plot Hound Program and Book Signing with Bob Platt, Plot, another guest, and Jacob Morgan Plot. Sunday Morning Traditional Music and Service with William Ritter and uh, Sarah Ogletree, along with additional music throughout the weekend with Camden Silver and the Metal Ark Ramblers, Mike Ogletree and William Ritter. Uh, I'll also, also announce we have uh, the admission of May, Maggie Rainwater to the, the Metal Ark uh, uh, Mountain Heritage team, who's going to be doing PR and advertising for all our events and podcasts and, and, rep and, and represent some of the top names in Americana and bluegrass music fields. Welcome, Maggie. 
Most events at the Metal Arc uh, Smoky Mountain Heritage Centers uh, is free for motel guests. And then there's uh, mission fees for non-guests. Call 828-926-1717 to book, book your rooms or for further, further information. There's going to be stuff going all along. So if you're listening to this podcast after the fact and after the summer of 2021, reach out because there's going to be stuff going on all year round. And they're all going to be quality events like this. So... Um, our 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 our, uh, our podcast today is about ginseng and the culture of ginseng in the Smoky Mountains. And I, I was, you know, I look around for poetry sometimes and things related to what the guest is going to be talking about that's meaningful to me. Um, and you know, I didn't find a poem that it worked, but I found a bluegrass song. The original author was Norman Blake, and I think he performed it as well. Uh, but I found one that was. Um, uh, uh, so, you know, that, that involved the, the popular bluegrass legend Tim Rice, who has been mentioned several times on this show by, uh, by Tim Surt of Balsam Range, a couple others, and, and, and Darren Nicholson of Balsam Range will be here next week to talk about the bluegrass band camp, and he'll probably uh, mention, uh, maybe mention Tim, uh, Tim Rice, or I'll, I will, I prod him to anyway. <laughs> anyway, the lyrics of this song are relevant, I think, to today's show. And so I'm going to read the song because I'm not a singer and I don't want to uh, violate copyright law. So. <laughs> so about three miles from the Bat Hill Yard, from the reverse curve on down, not far south of the town depot, Sullivan's shack was found. Back on the higher ground. You can see him every day walking down the line with an old brown sack across his back and his long hair down behind, speaking his worried mind. It's a long way to the Delta from the North Georgia hills. A tote sack full of ginseng won't pay no traveling bills. Now I'm too old to ride the rails or thumb the road alone, so I guess I'll never make it back to home. My muddy waters, Mississippi, Delta home. Water's here, the winter's here, they get too cold, the damp, it makes me ill. Can't dig no roots in the mountainside with the frozen ground froze hard and still. Gotta stay on the foot of the hill. But next summer, when things turn right, the companies will pay high. I'll make enough money to pay my bills and bid these mountains goodbye. Then he said with a sigh, it's a long way to the Delta from the North Georgia hills. A tote sack full of ginseng will pay no traveling bills. No, I'm too old to ride the rails or thumb the road alone. So I guess I'll never make it back to home. My muddy water, Mississippi Delta home. All right. So my guest today is Jim Hamilton, who is an acclaimed novelist who has a PhD in forestry. As a country, as a county director for the NC State Cooperative Extension, and as an adjunct professor at Appalachian State University, how are you doing, Jim? Great, Joseph. Thanks for uh, having me on your on your show on your podcast. Great to be uh, here. I am so glad you're here. So, um, are you? You're a native of North Carolina, right? I I am not. It, really? I, I originally, yeah, I hail from a little small town in in Alabama, southeast of Birmingham, where you can you can see the last hanging toenail of the Appalachians from the highest point, you know, on on the home property. But I've lived in North Carolina now for for about twenty years, and uh, 
you know, it's a, even though my kids were born here, they'll never be local, local, you know, it takes like eight generations and a good killing back, <laughs> back in the day to, to really qualify. But, uh, yeah, about 20 years though, people start accepting in the community. They might not call you kin, but they'll call you friend. Right. <laughs> sure. Uh, so, uh, and what brought you here school or was that what it was? I, did, I came to North, I came to NC state for, uh, for, for grad school, uh, in forestry and wound up in, in the mountains, uh, looking at, uh, working with the Christmas tree industry. So I, I started oh, with, uh, started with cooperative extension and drifted back, uh, uh, to, to Hay, over to Haywood County where I was, uh, I taught at Haywood community college and then, uh, then back up to Boone to sort of uh, lead the shop here at the at the county extension office. So you know, but I'm, I'm I'm a couple hours from the middle arc down there. Uh, NC State, you know, I went to Duke, uh, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, nice little rivalry. I, I remember going. I took a I took a class at Duke. Uh, <laughs> you know, at NC State, you, the, the the folks studying forestry at Duke would come over to NC State to take real forestry class. Uh, <laughs> and the students, the forestry students from state, would go to Duke to take the policy classes. So. Uh, well, I, uh, I remember once going over to uh, NC State with some fraternity brothers, and we took quilts and we covered up a bunch of bunch of statues. Is that something that they do now or did? I don't remember what it was. <laughs> I don't know, man. All right. So you're you're uh, you're in Appalachian State. You're in Appalachian State. What do you do up there now? What what do you teach? So I I, te- I just teach one class a, a year at, at Appalachian State. I'm an adjunct instructor, but my my day job is is with the Cooperative Extension, and we're the we're the outreach arm for the university. So we're we provide uh you know research 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 based and technical information to farmers, landowners. Uh, master gardeners, cattle producers, Christmas tree growers—you uh, name it—we're we're sort of the one-stop shop for uh, agricultural information and, and property information in, uh, in in each of the counties. Every county in in North Carolina has an extension office, and uh, and I wound up uh, wound up here in Boone. Wow! So if I uh, wanted to start a, a blackberry farm in uh, in Iron Duff in Haywood County, I'd I'd be dealing with somebody like you, right? That's that's right. You you <laughs> would you would call uh, Bill Bill Skelton is your is the oh, really? extension uh, director. Yep. I was, just, I was believe it or not, I was sitting around at a, a party in New York City, and some guy from St. Louis said, you know, we we would buy, uh, you know, talking about farm to table. He said we'd buy so much blackberries if we could get hold of them. And we said, well, we got place uh, you know land in in Haywood. County that grows blackberries real well, so yeah, plenty of them. Oh, yeah. One of those business ideas that maybe, maybe will never come to fruition. <laughs> it's That's sort right. of a party talk, but uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, where were you at the Hood County Community College? So I taught forestry uh, for for four years at, at Haywood Community College. Uh, I, I taught soils, introduction to forestry. I taught dendrology, which is the uh, which is the identification of trees. And, you know, the, the most enjoyable thing while I did there, I was the, over the forestry club. And I don't know if you've seen the lumberjack competitions on, yeah. uh, you know, I guess ESPN C or D or one of the lower level ESPN channels will show the steel, uh, steel timber sports uh, team. So, uh, and Haywood still has a very active and very super competitive timber sports team. And, uh, you know, I learned how to how to how to throw an axe and and run a uh, run a crosscut saw and uh, uh, do a little single buck uh, uh, chopping. But that's um it's 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 a true sport and it's a competitive 
It's a competitive collegiate sport with the schools that have forestry programs. And it was always great to, to take, you know, the two year community college kids to a, to a state competition and have them whoop up on the four year colleges, uh, you know, uh, timber sports team. <laughs> I'm glad to see that competitive uh, North Carolina spirit exists still at even the college, at the community college level. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was uh, a lot, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Uh, well, uh, we're going to take a break now. And when we come back, uh, there's a couple questions I want to still ask about your past, but then we'll get into uh, ginseng. All right. Sounds great. This is Joseph Rake with McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast, and my guest, Jim Hamilton. So, Jim, I, uh, I know we want to get into ginseng, but I, I noticed a couple of things when I was reading your profile. And you speak fluid Spanish, and I didn't see anything other than you went to Paraguay with the Peace Course. Is that where you learned Spanish? I, I did. I learned uh, Spanish and, and Guarani, which is which I spoke more Guarani when I was was when I was in rural Paraguay. But uh, my my wife is uh, is from Argentina, so uh, with with a lot of help from 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 her and 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 regular visits with with the family, my 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 Spanish drastically improved because uh, Spanish in Paraguay is, is is sort of the second language. So so yeah, I. We, we speak a good deal uh, of Spanish at home, especially when I'm being chastised for something. <laughs> well, it's good to know. I just I thought that was an interesting thing. I didn't see where I learned other than that. Well, two years you were in Paraguay. So. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Renaissance redneck. Uh, there you go. Me too. That's exactly what I am. <laughs> so, uh, and before we begin in the ginseng, I, had to, I, I saw this. You wrote, a, you wrote an article called The Turtles of the High Country, right? That's right. Uh, and you know, the eastern box turtles, the only terrestrial turtle found in the state. In 1979, it was chosen to be the North Carolina state reptile. Now, I have to know, why do we have a state reptile? <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought the same thing. I know we, you know, we have the state, the state flower and the, and the state tree, the state reptile. That's that's a that's a new one to me. But, uh, yeah. but here here at the extension office, I'll. You know, during the summer, we have people bring in bring in turtles for identification. We get get snakes. Sometimes they're in jars. Sometimes they're with a head. Sometimes without a head. Folks want to know, you know, what what the animals are that they find uh, that, that they find on their property. So that's another service that that we provide. Now, the mountains of North Carolina are special with regard to the turtles. I don't want to get into it too much, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is okay. Good. All right, so, so around, I heard that around the office, your uh, your coworkers call you Jim Singh, <laughs> <laughs> and then and you study it. You teach workshop, workshops on how to plant it. You drink daily smoothies sprinkled with it. So I guess you're an er- expert on the uh, subject. So why this this intense interest? Well, the ginseng is such a unique plant with such a historical and cultural significance, especially here in, in the Western North Carolina mountains. Um, I had, I, I'd known what it was, you know, as a, as a student of forestry and natural resources. And, you know, when I, when I uh, you know, started, uh, started working in Western North Carolina, I would hear about it more and more. 
and um, um, I've had uh, I've had friends uh, w- with with access to property actually take me you know ginseng hunting. It is still ginseng hunting is still a very integral part of of Appalachia and the mountains. And for a lot of folks, it's a uh, it's a supplemental form of income. There's a there's a legal harvest season for it. And there's a there's an international market for it, but it's uh, uh, you know in in the fall during during the the, the legal season, um, you have you have folks that that hit the woods either to you know they're scouting out their the place to put their deer stand you know for deer season, and while they're out there they're looking for ginseng, and if they find or come across a patch, you know they'll dig ginseng, and there's there are registered dealers who who purchased the root. And, uh, the more, the more I learned about it, the more curious I was about it and, you know, living here and, and working with a wide number of, 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 of property, property owners and, and, and locals, I just came to learn more about it. And really, you know, that's, that's where my, I guess, passion for the plant come from, because it is, it's, it's, it's becoming more and more scarce, uh, due to over harvesting. And, you know, there were a few TV shows a while back that, that, that led to that. Right. Well, you know, uh, you know, I, I picked this that uh, song "Ginseng Sullivan" for a couple of reasons. One, that, that you know, it spoke to uh, you know, ginseng as a as a financial uh, source of income, and Sullivan, Scotch Irish, right? So uh, it's it's been a a part of the Scotch Irish settlers' uh, economics for several hundred years, right? Right. You know, it was so. You know, there there's there's several species of, of ginseng as far as the plants concerned. And the Asian ginseng, uh, so to get not to get too scientific, but the scientific name for Asian ginseng is Panax ginseng, and the Panax is the Latin for panacea for everything because it was it was considered a plant that was good for everything. It was good for good for your heart, good for blood pressure regulation, good for uh, uh, maintaining your uh, blood sugar as a as a as a as a stimulant. And the, the in traditional Chinese medicine and in Asia, ginseng's been harvested for for uh, five millennia. Apparently, it's you know over five thousand years. Apparently, you know wars and dynasties rose and fell related to the ginseng trade in China. But then in the in the early seventeen hundreds and seventeen sixteen, there was a French Jesuit mes- uh, missionary Joseph Lafitte who uh, was stationed kind of outside of Toronto. And he worked with the Mohawk, uh, the Mohawk and the Iroquois in, in that area. And one of his one of his Jesuit brethren, brethren in China had sent a little monograph over of a picture of, of Chinese ginseng and and described the benefits of it and how it was used in Asia. And he had either seen it or spoke to some some of the natives uh, in, in that area and figured out that there was an, an American species of it. So he described it, wrote it up, drew it out. Uh, described how it was used and submitted it to some big consortium in, uh, in 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 Europe, and it was officially recognized. And so, by once it was sort of recognized, it, you know, it sort of formed an, an additional backbone of the American trade economy with China. So that's some of the kind of really deep historical roots that this 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 plant has. Yeah. Uh, in 1784, it was ginseng was 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 in barrels shipped on the very first flagship of the United States to China, to Canton on a, you know, a trade junket. And, and even Daniel Boone, you know, who traversed all over the, the, you know, the Smokies and here in the high country of Western North Carolina, 
there's a there's a reference to him in in 1787 uh, carrying a barge load of ginseng up the Ohio River, and the the barge actually sank. Uh, had it capsized, and he lost the barrels of ginseng. But it, you know, ginseng used to be so plentiful in the mountains that you know the story goes as he said, "Well, boys, I guess we'll just you know hit the woods and and dig some more." <laughs> He would he would hire uh, Daniel Boone would would conscript or hire either na- Native Americans or locals to help him dig ginseng because it was part of the it was part of the export trade to China, you know, as early as the late late eighteen hundreds or seventeen hundreds. Now, uh, did uh, you know? Didn't the uh, Cherokee and other indigenous uh, cultures use the root and sell it long before uh, the the the, uh, the uh, you know settlers used it? Oh, absolutely. You know, it was used as a, as a, as a tonic. Uh, I know that the Cherokee have specific words for it. The, the Mohawk and the Iroquois would use it. Uh, I think they would, they would, uh, I read somewhere that, um, they would, they would binge on it before, before going to war or before serious negotiations, um, because for the, for the energy aspect of it. And, uh, and, and I, and again, I read, uh, read somewhere else that, you know, the Cherokee said that, you know, ginseng was sort of like, you know, much like in, in Chinese culture, ginseng is sort of like a person. If it, if it doesn't, if, if you don't honor the forest or if you don't, uh, if you don't respect, uh, respect ginseng in the woods around it, then, then it won't let you find it. It will actually hide from you. And as, and as someone who's hunted ginseng and looked for ginseng in areas where I knew it was, it can it it's it can be very tricky and difficult to find because it's a very small, you know, a small cryptic little plant. Uh, you know, re, probably you know, three hundred years ago when it was more prolific and 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 grew to the size that uh, that it grew to before we started harvesting it. You know, a big plant might hit you in the hip. You know, these days if you find a plant that that's high enough to hit you in the knees. That's a, that's a decent sized. Uh, and what and what is, what color are the flowers? So it's it's got really tiny white flowers, and it's flowering right now uh, in in the Smokies, uh, and and here in the High Country too. So it uh, you know these it's a small head of flowers uh, that'll turn into these really blood red berries uh, later in the summer. And 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 a lot of folks who who dig ginseng and hunt ginseng will will start hunting it when the berries turn you know number one it makes them easy to find and 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 number two uh you know it's required that you uh that you replant those berries before you before you dig up the dig up the root Um, because it's a perennial it's a perennial plant it can live for over a hundred years it's um it's like i said it's a really unique unique plant and um what would you say are the most popular medicinal uses and, uh, you know, and how is it used? So if you, if you dig into the, the literature on, on, on ginseng, there hasn't been a ton of, of truly medicinal research on it in, in the United States. Now, there's a Journal of Ginseng Research out of Korea where they're really delving into the medicinal qualities. But um, energy has been the is the number one use. And they've done a study, uh, I believe it was a uh, University of Michigan or Michigan State study, um, uh, giving ginseng to cancer patients increased their their energy levels. In in traditional Chinese medicine, so, you know, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this because that's how my Southern Roots told me to say it. You know, you have have yin and yang, 
right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was corrected by a Chinese you know, medicinal expert who corrected me and said, it, it's yang, Jim, it's not yang. <laughs> so in, in Chinese medicine, Asian ginseng, which is Panax ginseng, is is yang ginseng. It's it's hot energy. It's heat. It's heat, uh, heat right. and, and hotness. Uh, so you take Chinese ginseng in the winter time. If you're cold or have chills, you drink it in tea, or you you know uh, consume it in powdered form in a, in a meal or as a supplement. Well, uh, American ginseng, Panax quinquefolius, is yin energy. So it's cool energy. It's what you take, uh, what you take in the in the in the summertime when you're when you're really hot and you need that 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 boost of uh, boost of energy. So it'd be like a really you know a nice frothy cold cap, uh, frappuccino. You know, the, it, here in the U.S., we 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 consume coffee the way uh, uh, the way folks in China probably consume ginseng. <clears throat> I'm trying to you know figure out figure out things to to take instead of caffeine all the time. Maybe I'll investigate those ginseng. Give ginseng give ginseng a try. I you know during the uh, during the summer when I can find fresh ginseng, I'll, <coughs> I'll pop a uh, I'll pop a root into into a smoothie. Uh, it's a it's very bitter. The root itself is very bitter, so it takes uh, it takes the edge off the sweetness of a smoothie. Uh, my wife really, really, really likes, uh, really likes ginseng in the smoothies. And, 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 and yeah, it gives you that, you know, it gives you the coffee, you know, the, the coffee buzz without the jitters. All right, cool. Well, when we come back, I'll talk a little bit more. We'll talk a little bit more about the economics of it. Then we'll get into your book. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast, and my guest, Jim Hamilton, and we're talking ginseng. So, Jim, you know, that, that song, Ginseng uh, uh, Sullivan, also brought up another thing, a negative stereotyping of uh, people hunting ginseng in southern Appalachia. What do you think about that? Is, is that true? Why, why do you think it happened? Well, there were so there were a series of of reality shows that came out right around 2013 that sort of it, they corresponded with the the highest ginseng price you know to date. Uh, ginseng hit around thirteen hundred dollars a pound in 2013, and and about that time you had shows uh, a couple of them on the History Channel. There was Appalachian Outlaws, and you had Smoky Mountain Money and Hillbilly Blood. <laughs> And filthy riches, and you know those shows just portrayed your, you know what I think a lot of people perceive Appalachians as, uh, you know, running around the woods, uh, grabbing as much ginseng as they could to make to make a fortune, and that you know the downside of that is is that it it, it drew a lot of unneeded attention to the plant itself, which is already stressed as far as its population. And you know fecundity go so uh, you know the the only the only bright side of those of those shows and the and the stereotypes is that there more people became interested in it and I think a a vast majority of them became more interested in it as as something that they could plant uh, in their own in, on their own properties here in the mountains or in their own woods and it 
you know, it sort of has caused a, a re, you know, sort of a reconnection for some folks who remember their, their parents or their grandparents taking them out as kids to, you know, to hunt ginseng back in the day. So, I mean, that the, that's the only silver lining out of those shows because, you know, everyone thinks, you know, moonshine, bluegrass, ginseng, and, and it, and it, you know, those negative, negative stereotypes are, 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 are just, you know, don't, don't represent the, you know, the, the, the true art and science behind uh, the wild harvesters who really are, they're true stewards of the land. And, you know, there are poachers and you, you know, if you, if you Google ginseng poaching or ginseng in the Smoky Mountains, you'll, you'll, you'll see these articles and in, in, in newspaper stories about, uh, you know, people uh, illegally harvesting ginseng on, in, in the Great Smokies. But, but uh, you know, I, I work with a lot of property owners who are, who are interested in, you know, preserving the integrity of the plant and that, you know, those, those kind of uh, the preserving a part of their, of their heritage and their, in their childhood too. Um, so it's, it's fairly regulated now, right? And, and you say people have farms. So there's both, there's both uh, the wild and there's also the, uh, the, the culture, you know, cultivated Yep. now right um, yeah, so, yeah so that most of the the majority of the cultivated ginseng so the cultivated ginseng is grown on large commercialized farms uh mainly in wisconsin and then ontario canada mm-hmm. they're under it's produced under shade cloth it's heavily fertilized it's tilled it's heavily managed they harvest it in about four years that's the stuff that brings about 50 bucks a pound that's the stuff that's in your Sobe energy drinks, your Monster energy drinks. It's not as good as the wild stuff, right? Oh, no, no. That's that's <laughs> the stuff. The cheap stuff goes into those little yellow jacket trucker right, bills so. you might find at the, you know, at the at the at the kangaroo or, or uh, so you want you want to come to the mountains and get some of the real wild stuff right yeah the real now the real wild stuff and, and ginseng is is sold on on how it looks and the older the older and larger the ginseng the the, the better so uh most most dealers who, who buy ginseng from local diggers are looking for plants that are are a minimum of about 10 years old and you can you can gauge the age and the quality of a of a ginseng root by the way it looks. Now, is there, um, has there been shops and places to buy and, 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 and uh, consumer oriented uh, ability to participate in ginseng culture in the mountains that have popped up? You know, not, not, not really, you know, probably 99% of all the ginseng that gets harvested from the mountains in, ends up in, in China or Hong Kong in some, or Korea in some shape or form. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We have had a lot of, you know, that with, um, with more and more, uh, uh, Korean, uh, 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 Korean residents in our larger cities, ginseng is also a major part of Korean culture and, 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 and food there. I, I just, uh, I saw a, a a podcast from the uh, Smithsonian Folklife Museum on uh, on on ginseng chicken soup. That's a Korean a Korean dish. Now the Koreans will buy. They'll actually come up and 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 contact the dealers directly and purchase fresh ginseng to consume. You know, in in the U.S. But as as far as retail outlets for ginseng products, I've seen some ginseng teas. Uh, 
I don't have a box of tea here. Well, but where, where do you where do you get your ginseng that you put in your smoothies? That, well, now that's found in the woods, and I'm not telling you. <laughs> so where. you go you go find your own. So how do you how do you how do you know it's a good area to look for ginseng? Well, I know, Joseph. The first rule of ginseng club is you don't talk about ginseng. <laughs> now there's you know as 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 rare as it as it is in in the wild you can still find patches of it and and i have some some that i started from seed you can find uh there's some ginseng facebook groups that are really popular and if you if you say you're looking for seed you can get some and, and plant it so i my mine comes out of the woods but you know, they're uh, the Asian market, you know, there in, in, in New York City where you are. I'm sure if you walk down to one of the Asian markets in Chinatown, you could I find could, I could find some North Carolina ginseng. But I mean, I'm down I'm down in Smoky Mountains all the time. So I want to look I want to uh, look at uh, it's one of the things I never did growing up is we didn't go after ginseng. So, I, I you know, I should experience that. Yeah. Well, there's a right right before. uh uh, on your way to the to, to the paper mill down there, there's it's called Carolina Bait, and that they are a ginseng uh, they're a ginseng dealer uh, just in there in Clyde, just down the road from you, and and uh, and and you can you can find ginseng there uh, during the season. You know, season uh-huh. opens up September first, and you know most of what they're 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 buying ginseng to then sell to the roaming bands of buyers that come through. Mm-hmm. Around uh, around you know between between Thanksgiving and Christmas is is when the the Asian buyers come to export it back over to to, to China for the Chinese New Year. Cool. So you so, can uh, find you well, some there. I want to yeah I want want to make sure we have some time to talk about your book. So you have a book called The Last Entry, uh, and it's uh, it's painted the woodland tones of Western North Carolina's rural mountains. Uh, and you weave a natural history of the story uh, uh, into a story of characters that reflect our diversity here uh, and the black market economy for ginseng. So tell us about this book. And it was, I think it won some awards, right? Yeah, it, it was. So this was about a, a five-year project. You know, I've, I've, I've written a lot over my career, more technical stuff. And, and you know, there was all, there's already a couple of great books. There's a, a nonfiction book explaining kind of the culture and history of ginseng. And then there's, there's a couple of technical guides out there, but nobody had written a, a book of fiction. You know, I'd never seen a, a you know, a, a book that really, you know, told the story of, 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 of ginseng as it applies here in the mountains. So, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a coming of age uh, novel set in, in Appalachia, but it's, it's set under the background of the, uh, of the ginseng trade. And um, it got, uh, I was, I was sh- shocked that it, it got nominated for the Thomas Wolfe Memorial, uh, Memorial uh, Literary Award, uh, which was, which was, uh, which was, a, you know, a humbling honor to, to just be nominated for that. And it was a quarter finalist in, uh, for the, the Book Life Prize, which is, a, it's a, um, it's an award for, for independent or small, uh, small run books. So, I've been I've been pleased with with the with with the response. Um, and is it set in the current time? Is it set in current times or pretty yeah. pretty pretty current? I would I would say you know I really don't. Um, yeah, there, I guess there's a couple of mentions. Uh, it's probably from the from the eighties the eighties through the early two thousands is is when uh, it's set. But cool. uh, yeah, lots. Is, of- is it a thriller? Is it a romance? What is it? I would say it, it's sort of a it, it's sort of a his his. Um, I would just call it a, you know, a, a, a coming of age drama, I guess, uh, uh-huh. an act, you know, act, more of an, a, an action commercial fiction, I think is what it would, 
uh, qualify as. Uh, but uh, there's some, uh, uh, you know, the 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 editor who 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 helped me with the book just kept telling me, you know, because I'm in education, he he kept saying, quit teaching. Quit teaching, right? <laughs> Tell the story. Quit teaching about the about the plant. But um, there's uh, it it has all of the uh, all the conflict and drama, you know that you that you'd find in a uh, in a in a contemporary novel. So well, that's great. I, can I get a copy? Oh yeah, yeah. Send me your address. I'll I'll send you a copy for sure. All right, cool. All right, yeah. We're uh, we're actually gearing up. We're starting to sell books too. So maybe we can uh, look at yours as a possible entry in our Mountain Heritage Center. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, oh but, yeah, the mount that that would be perfect. You know, a lot of most of the best ginseng actually comes from that that Haywood County, uh, you know, Haywood and Jackson County area in the Smokies. The uh, the soil uh, the soil is 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 really black, uh, and and the roots that come out of there are really valued by by the buyers. Probably the the only other place where ginseng is more valuable would be uh, the Catskills in, in New York, a very narrow band of, of hollers in the Catskills. But other than that, Sm- Smoky Mountain ginseng is, is the highest, next highest quality ginseng in the U.S. Oh, yeah. I mean, the mountains, I mean, there's got amazing uh, soil for a lot of these sort of uh, heirloom type uh, growth, you know, people uh, it used to be ramps were a ver- sort of a rarity that you got. Now you got ramps at Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, there's other other things, you know. So, uh, that's, well, and that's uh, what you know. Ginseng came from those. You know, back in the back in the day, you didn't have a CVS or a Walgreens on in the corner. You know, if you had. If you had a case of hemorrhoids, you headed up to Witch Hazel Holler and gr- grabbed you a handful of leaves and made you a poultice and 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 put it where it needed to go. So exactly, ginseng was one of those you know medicinal plants uh, that was that was that was used alongside many of the other forest medicinal herbs that are you know really native to native to our mountains. All right. Well, you know, we're going to take a little, another little, little final break here, and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about your life in the in the Smokies and you know the things that you think people should uh, understand. Sounds great. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Jim Hamilton. So, Jim, uh, you do a lot of seminars around the state, and you're going to be doing one at the Meadowlark Mountain, Sapomi Mountain Heritage Center on August 28th. What's the kind of content that you do? So I'll probably get into uh, a lot more de- uh, detail and depth into uh, the, the history and culture of, of ginseng in the area and also do uh, do a, a planting and sort of an educational lecture on, you know, the best the best site uh, companion plants, how to how to plant ginseng, how to establish, you know, your own your own patch of ginseng and other you know medicinal plants on your own property. So that's that's the goal of the of the, of the talk there at the Metal Arc. Oh, fabulous! Can you do it on flatland, or does it have to be in the mountains? <laughs> you know, ginseng has a wide range, but it just it works so well in the mountains. I've told people before that you know you can plant some seed and 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 try it at home if you're outside of the Appalachians. But the plant 
really needs those, uh, uh, you know, uh, several days of, of below freezing cold for the, for the, for the plant to, to, to germinate the following year and come up right. So, but, um, but any, anywhere around the Smokies, if you've got a, if you got a house or property in, in the Smokies or really anywhere in the Appalachian mountains, if you have a nice shady hardwood spot, uh, it, it, it should grow. Cool. So you live in, uh, App, in, the, in uh, you live in uh, new, near Boone, North Carolina, which is sort of north of uh, the Smokies. Sure. We haven't talked a lot about that area. What do you What do you love about that area? So Boone, other, otherwise known as is is the High Country, is is uh, you know it's home to Appalachian State University, and uh, you know I I settled here to work to work in the Christmas tree industry. That with my with my forestry background. Um, I came here, you know, being originally from, from Alabama, it's, it's, it's the, the mountains are a little higher, although, although I know there in, in Haywood, Haywood County is the most mountainous County east of the Mississippi. But I would say that, you know, some of the, some of the peaks here, uh, um, in, in the Boone area, you know, uh, get that higher top it, um, you know, grandfather mountain is, is a, is a pretty you know, popular destination for a lot of folks coming up, um, in, into the high country and, and, uh, you know, I like it. it's a, it's it's a small town. Very the town itself is very similar to to, to Waynesville, uh, with you know surrounded by surrounded by mountains and and being someone who likes to spend more time in the woods than in the office. Uh, yeah. it, it's just a great it's just a great fit. And we have real winters and real snow, and and that's that's uh, that's why I've come to come to love it here. Well, if you had if somebody was to come visit and uh, and wanted a good itinerary to experience Boone. What, what what would they do? Starting with where would you go for breakfast? Oh, for breakfast. See, I wouldn't waste too much time with breakfast. I would get uh, so this. I would bring breakfast to go. Okay, now I've got uh, some other restaurant choices for like lunch and dinner, but uh, I would hit a trail early off of the Blue Ridge Parkway. I'd bring. I'd pack your own, uh, you know, trail mix or a breakfast on the road. And I would, if it, if it's me, I'm going to go to one of the more scenic overlook trails that we have up here called uh, Rough Ridge, which is kind of between Boone and, and Blowing Rock. And uh, you just can't beat, you know, the sunrise and a morning hike uh, hike there. And, and if you got back early enough uh, in in the morning, you could hit you could hit Sunny Rock in in, in Blowing Rock for breakfast. There, that's probably one of the better breakfast places, but. Personally, I'd probably pack my own breakfast. All right, cool. Uh, and then I would, I would, after that, after that uh, nice adventure, what, where would you go for lunch? Uh, well, if I'm in the Blowing Rock area, I would probably go to the the Speckled Trout. Uh, they've got just a, you know some great Americana fare that's all sourced local from the farms around here. We've got a lot of a lot of farm to table opportunities um, in the area. If if I manage to make it into into Boone. Um, I would probably, uh, I'd, I'd probably get a pizza and a, and, and, and a cold, uh, cold beer at Lost Province. Uh, you know, Boone, this area, the high country used to be called the Lost Province, North Carolina, because it was so hard to get to. And, uh, and, and they've opened up, they've got wood fired pizzas and, um, uh, they brew a number of their own beers and that's, that's a great lunch spot. And then cool. just, just around the corner, you've got the mass general store, uh, you know, if you wanted to get your shopping in and, and, and you know, they, I got to give them a plug. They're actually carrying my, my <laughs> there you my go. Book, so, uh, got to well, then, then, then how would you spend your afternoon? Uh, you know, if the, if the weather's right, I, I would take a canoe trip. The, the new river here, um, is great for either, either inner tubing or, or canoeing or kayaking that the, the river's not that deep. 
you can pull off at, at various different points. And, you know, like I said, I'm all out, I'm all about the outdoors. So I'm, I'm going to spend it, you know, uh, maybe spend well, That sounds it. wonderful. And then when you come back from that, you'd go to dinner where? Yeah. So if, so if I'm in, uh, so, so, you know, if, if it's, if it's me, I'm going to either, either maybe Bistro Roca in, in Blowing Rock. It's just off of Main Street in Blowing Rock. And, and when I get done, there's a, there's a Killwins ice cream place. And that's my, my son's actually working there. All right. There you go. <laughs> uh, that's, that's his, that's his, his summer job as a teenager. And then if I'm, if I'm in Boone, I'd, I'd be at one of the many, many restaurants on, on King Street. But one of my favorites is, is, uh, is Vidalia. Uh, they've just, you know, great Americana fair locally sourced. Their specials are incredible. Um, and you know, and then I'd, you know, I'd, I'd take a stroll down, uh, down King street, uh, to, you know, to kind of, uh, to work off, off uh, to work off the dinner. And then any good entertainment place you finish up with? You know, there's a few, there's, there's always some, there's, there's live music on the weekends at, at several of the breweries um, in, in town in the, uh, I know in late July, there's the symphony on the lake, which is at uh, Chitola in, in blowing rock. Uh, th- that's a big event, but there, there's a, there's a whole lineup of, 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 uh, you know, of, of music at, at either, at either lost Province or Appalachian mountain brewery, or Boonshine. I mean, not to, not to get into the beer theme, but you can see where my yeah, it seems like. Well, that, North Carolina has become known for for brews. Yep. So brewery, it's, brewery. it's a good theater. Brewery All right. Well, yeah. So, uh, how do people get your book, and how do they follow you? So, um, I'm on I'm on Facebook. Uh, Jim V Hamilton is is where you can you know find me on Facebook, but. Uh, uh, you know, the book is in some um, independent, uh, Southern independent bookstores, uh, one here in downtown Boone, you know, Foggy Pine, uh, down your way. Um, I believe Chris Wilcox at, at, um, at, at the bookstore there in Silva City Lights. Uh, he should have some copies. I sent him a, I sent him a box of books, I guess, about a year ago. And then, you know, uh, then everyone sort of has to go to the, to the, uh, to, to the grand demon, um, amazon.com. If you're not, if you're not from the area, <laughs> you can find it under the, the last entry on, on Amazon. It's in, it's in ebook paperback. And I think there's some hard, hard covers floating around there. Too. Right. Cool. Well, we'll be, we'll be carrying it soon enough on Smokey's adventure at metalark.com. Great. I'll bring, uh, I'll bring some, I'll bring some books down to Bob there in August. All right. Sounds good. So I, I want to thank you for being on the show. I got to do some of my own shout outs now. Uh, you can go to gateways to the smokies.fun and find out more about this podcast. Uh, there's also a link to a, a contest right now for the, the bluegrass band camp on July 17th to win a two night stay and free, uh, free admission to both the seminars and to the, to the uh, concert on uh, July 17th, Saturday. Uh, so go there. You can find uh, uh, the entrance to the contest. Now, I want you to imagine a place evocative of motor courts of the past. It's modern and vibrant with a chic Appalachian feel, a place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch on a fire, and eat accompanied by fine wine or craft beers. Beers. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. There's no place like the Meadowlark Motel in Maggie Valley. Your Smoky Mountain Adventure starts with where you stay. We're sponsored by Smoky's Adventure, Smoky's Pearl Adventure, um, uh, singular, smokiesadventures.com, where you can find in- information and listings about the Smokies, hikings, wedding menus, books, trail maps, resources, 
The emphasis is on Smokies outdoor recreation uh, and outdoor life events like weddings and adventures. Go to SmokiesAdventure.com. Um, the the face we 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 beam this live uh, on audio on TalkRadio.nyc, which is a great. Uh, network to listen to for lots of different podcasts. The one uh, after this podcast is all about New York. So you can go from rural North Carolina to urbane uh, New York City. Um, it, and there's and on this podcast network, there's a lot of great uh, shows. So I recommend you go there. Uh, we also stream live the Zoom uh, podcast to Facebook at facebook.com slash gateway to the Smokies podcast. Uh, and there you can find all, all sorts of information and information about uh, this podcast and guests and uh, upcoming events. Next week, we're going to have Darren Nicholson talking about from Boston Range talking about the Bluegrass Band Camp and his career in the Bluegrass. He's a Bluegrass legend, Grammy Award nominated and, and a world class uh, uh, player for a lot of different bands. Now he's with Ball, he found, helped found Boston Range. Uh, and uh, we're pretty proud to be having him on. Uh, so uh, this is next uh, Tuesday from 6 to 7. I look forward to seeing you then. Thank you, Jim. And we're now signing off.